This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils from talkthedevils.co.uk, your favourite Manchester United podcast in a, in a new format. Um, I'm your host, Wayne Barton, author and producer of Manchester United books and a couple of films as well. Um, joined by Manchester United legend, Paul Parker, winner of every domestic trophy with the club, here for, for this new platform for the new season. Um, so if you're watching live on YouTube, um, feel free to get your questions in. If I work out how to get to them, um, I'll make sure that, that we ask them as well uh, to Paul. Uh, first of all, Paul, are you doing you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you very much, Wayne. Have a good summer. Um, well, what we've had a bit. I mean, it's, it's just been nice just to have that, look, been able to do that little bit more as it's gone on. We've just taken an extra step forward and it's getting better and better. Yeah, good stuff. Did you like the heat wave last week? I was out in the heat wave. I was sitting there on, on sitting there on lakes fishing all last week and two days the previous week, and even the top of my head is starting. It's still starting to peel now, which isn't good, especially being at my height. People can look down on it. Um, I, I stayed indoors um, because I, I, I don't like the heat outside, but it was worse inside. I don't know. I should have probably gone outside and got some colour on, especially for the occasion, but. Um, no, pasty white as always. Um, so yeah, please like and subscribe to the channel. And uh, we do have a lot of exciting content coming up: new shows with former players, interviews, and series, and everything like that. And we got an interview with Rafael de Silva already on the channel. And and last week we did the first show with former United attacker Phil Marsh. Those shows, Phil's going to be on weekly. Um, yeah, but I guess the first place to start is uh, the European Championships. Paul, um, England got to the final. Bit of a journey to get there. Um, seem to unite the country more than any tournament since 96, 98, really. Um, what did you make of England's performances? I thought, given that the fact of we made it easier, easier on ourselves by the path we took, I think we, you know, we done well. Um, but I look at it and I say that sometimes it's better to to play the big sides as what Italy done, they had their games against Belgium and their game against Spain. So they were pushing the limits in their games. We never really got pushed to test to test ourselves. We 
in a certain way, we've just about got over the, over the line in in the majority of the games. The only game where we really had to go and do something because the team in front of us weren't up to it was Ukraine. And then you go and score four goals and you expected to do well against those sides and you expect to beat them well. If the, if the golf is that big as everyone expects, go and beat them well. And after that game, I think everyone seriously believed that England were, were going to go all the way and we're going to win it. But the team, as I've said so many times already since this tournament finished, um, the tournament that was the best team on, on the first day, on the last day, they were still the best team. You know, yeah. I don't think the team has, has won a tournament in the manner that they have for a long, long time because they didn't really, they didn't really get through anything just by sheer luck or anything. They've worked hard and they got what they deserved from every game they played in. Yeah, they were dominant. Um, from a United perspective, there are a couple of good performances in there. Um, Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire in, in the England team. Maguire doing well after he came back from suspension. You had a lot of people sort of saying, oh, you know, he's not going to... Was that suspension or injury? But he was he was out for the first couple of games, came back in and everyone was saying, oh, I don't think we, we're going to see the difference. But he actually did make a, a bit of a difference to that back line. And then Luke Shaw, obviously everyone saw the sort of form that he's been in for the second half of the season with United. Um, well, what did you make of the United sort of contribution to England's? Um, well, I mean, we have to say, Luke, yeah, we have to say Luke Shaw done well because once he he got in there, he never got taken out. And I thought that you know Chilwell might have got a run. He didn't really, he didn't yeah. get a run, so he stayed in. Harry Maguire with injuries and whatever come in, and he done well. But we have to say as well that England defensively didn't really get tested. Mm. And the only time they got tested is really the crucial time was in the final and you know we got found what got found wanting to be perfectly honest as a team not just defensively it was about a team really and you know just prior to the Italy game you know Gareth Southgate they're virtually going to build statues and make him England's greatest ma- greatest manager you know push aside to Ralph Ramsey and bringing um, Gareth Southgate but that's today's world isn't it it's only five minute memory spans at the moment but um May United boys done well, done themselves justice, maybe even surpassed that, and people will look at them differently. But um, it's going to make an interesting start to the season, really, because I think everyone's going to go, and because of what's gone on the previous season and a half, I think people are just looking to get through the doors and just really enjoy themselves. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of the transfers, the players who've come in. Over the summer, Jaden Sancho um, is obviously the headline one. Been after him for a year. Um, good for him and for us that he had a bit of a rest in the European Championships. What do you make of that? We've talked about him obviously a few times in the past, um, over the summer and obviously last summer as well because that was a major headline transfer. But he's come. He's come for a fee that was a lot less than what Dortmund were after last summer. Um, obviously, he's going to. You should think long term is going to be on the right hand side, even if he might be needed on the left for a bit with um, Rashford's injury. But um, he should probably be on the right hand side. Um, and he obviously, a player that Solskjaer wants, and we've seen in the past, I know people are still undivided with Wan Bissaka. Um, undecided, I should say, undivided. Undecided about Wan Bissaka. But um, by and large, Ollie's got his signings right. So that's a good indication that Sancho's going to be the right person for that. Um, right on side, isn't it? Um, what do you what do you make of the signing? Um, I'm still a little bit not sure about that one. To be honest, is he going to play on the right hand side? Because I think when I look at the back end of the season, I'd look at 
players who stood out when it mattered in the final, you know, in that final third of the season, maybe slightly less so, would look at um, Cavani, of course. We're talking about the top end, of, you know, the business end of the um, pitch. And I'd look at Greenwood. I thought, I thought Greenwood was brilliant in the back end of the season. He just got, he, he just seemed to have got his head around what had happened when he was away and he's in yeah. international due to that situation with um, him and um, Foden. Well, Foden just got straight out. I thought it took Mason a long, long while to get over it. And the press weren't letting him go, and I don't think they helped his cause. But he mm. got over it, and he, he was, he was. you look at it, him and Cavani were the two most important players at the back end of the season for making and for scoring goals. And for getting people, you know, in a typical Manchester United way, they want players to get you off your seat. And those two were doing that. Um, so I think it was off. Greenwood has to start the season unless he goes and does something silly during pre-season. And after seeing it at the weekend, I would turn around and say, he has to start the season. But um, So everyone's talking about the right-hand side of Sancho going now. Greenwood is always better when he comes inside. He likes to step inside. He can go outside on his left side. I'm still not going to say his best side, so I'm not sure what is his best side, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. I think a lot of people in that, that way but for me, the person who should be worried is Marcus Rashford. Hmm. He should be worried. If he thinks he's a, he's a shoo-in, then there's something that he knows that no one else out there knows. Because if you're going by current form, he shouldn't be starting the season. And we keep hearing he's got his injury, he's got that injury. He's injured or he's not. In today's football, he can, he can sit out and get it sorted. There's no hmm. pressure on him to play as in what, was the, what there was in my time and just after the time when you playing because you had to get those other kind of bonuses in and that meant being on the puck just like me many others played carrying an injury because because it made up their wages so now there's not that big push now to worry get games behind you being if you're only playing 20 games a season 25 you're steamed and injury prone so it'd be interesting if he starts the season and doesn't have this you know, this what is rumoured shoulder injury sort of. If you've got a shoulder problem, you get it done with because it affects your game because you don't really want to sprint too hard because you might pull it. Yeah. You don't really want to get in shoulder to shoulder. You don't want to put yourself in a position of getting nudged or anything because you're worried about your shoulder slipping out the joint. So if that's there, you've got to get it done. You know, so... And then if you, if you take that all away, the injuries, and you look at form... You know, he shouldn't have played as many games as what he did last season, to be perfectly honest. Should never have done. If Mason Greenwood had been fit, he came himself fit to the England squad. Who was, who was Gareth Southgate, Southgate going to leave out? Was it a Greenwood or was it a Rashford? I really don't know. He pulled, he pulled out quite early before the decisions were made. So it's just an interesting one. And, and that's my opinion, to be honest. And, and on quite a few occasions, I've over the previous season, I talked about Marcus Rashford and people are having a go at me about it. And were they having a go at me because they felt I was wrong about my decision on him regarding football? Or were they saying I was wrong because, as the saying goes now, Marcus Rashford feeds kids. Great that he's doing that, but I'm judging him as a footballer and his form wasn't good enough to be playing or played so many games. Yeah, no, it's a good point. The, the, the other thing with Rashford as well, obviously, I'm, I'm with you. I think he should have the 
the the surgery as soon as he needs it and and take the time to recover. I understand all that. I I just think that this the the rumor is that you know the delay of this surgery is going to be because he's um he's worried about you know United are going to you know adapt without him. You know he's worried about his place. But I would say well, I'll tell you, you know, how they adapt. I'll tell you how they adapt. Why they adapt is any team who have got a squad and and he's not playing. Exactly. That's what that. like he's going to have that problem when he's fit. Do you know, you should have that problem at United, right? That's the problem that you should have always there. Um, Mike Pieri asks um, about the um, contract extension to Ole, and we will get to that in a moment, Mike. Um, just going to go through the players first of all. Um, Sancho was the, obviously the, the signing that we've talked about. Um, let's talk about the one that's very rumoured at the moment. Every there's a new update saying it's close, it's close, it's closer. Um, Rafael Varane, a player that United wanted when he was at Lawns um, a few years back. Um, Fergie wanted him, apparently, um, and he, he chose to go to Real Madrid. He's had a very good time there, won some Champions League medals, apparently wants a new challenge. We can't really tell at the moment if that's a new challenge is getting another £50,000 from Real Madrid or whether it's coming to England to to sort of test himself in the Premier League. But it seems, to all intents and purposes, be the, the next transfer that's going to be through the door. What, what do you make of this one? I mean, a lot of people undecided on this. I, I mean, I look at it um, from the conversations that we've had over the previous year and, um, yeah, do you know what? There might be better centre-backs than Rafael Varane around, but he's obviously an upgrade on Lindelof. And again, we're looking at Oli's choice. We're looking at his choice and saying, this is the man that he wants to partner Harry Maguire. Um, it, it looks like they're trying to strike a bargain price because um, he's out of contract next year. What do you, what do you mean to the, the speculation about Varane? Um, I've, again, I mean, I, I don't sit and watch him week in, week out. Is I don't think any player plays in Europe, you know, when I hear about players screaming and shouting, I think so how many how many games you've seen them play, all people really do is see montages or they see see them in tournaments such or watching in Champions League. I've always been a bit wary of him because he I don't know how much of an upgrade he is gonna be on Lindelof because he he's not physical. Um I always keep seeing him chasing back and being knocked around a bit. You know, making make he makes a lot of easy mistakes, and I'm not really sure. I I really want to come out and say that that will make a difference. I think he has been led incredibly incredibly by Ramos. Yeah, Ramos, Ramos, Ramos. I should say has controlled has controlled him in a good way. Took him under his wing, and he has just led him along, shouted, screamed, pulled him in different positions. And I'm hoping I'm, I'm totally wrong with that because that's the last thing that I think Manchester United want to go and see is a more expensive version of of Lindelof, someone who's, who's going to be a bit tentative, someone who's, who's going to get up against somebody and be bullied, as Lindelof did on many occasions. Um, I think Ollie, Ollie likes Lindelof. It's as simple as that. He really likes him because so many people have come in and done well he always went back to him, always kept playing him and playing him. So for Ver- for um, Varane to come in and take over, Oli must, to go and get and spend that money, he must be saying, right, he, is, he believes he's a lot better. This is one that I need to see. I just really just need to see. And it's another position where he has to hit the ground running. He can't come in and 
need time to get going because I don't think the fans are going to, you know, going to push for that. The fans would sooner have carried on and get a little bit of um, continuity, more continuity with um, Lindelof and Maguire together rather than bringing somebody who's not going to hit the hit the ground running wine. Yeah. Well, talk to me about that, the continuity aspect of it because we, we did talk about Lindelof a lot last season, but perhaps the fact that Vran's quite durable, you know, I said durable. I, I share your concern about him possibly getting bullied in the same way that um, that, that Lindelof has been. But then you look at the fact that, you know, Maguire, you know, if if you're looking at from Ollie's point of view, he's looking and saying, oh, well, Maguire led Lindelof. Maguire's that kind of player that could lead in the same way that Ramos does. I'm not saying that Maguire's the same kind of leader as Ramos, but in what he brings to the United back line, it could well be. And so you might see that Varane's a player who could be led. And I just look at it and think, you know, he's a, he's definitely an upgrade on Lindelof from what I've seen. But then I, I sort of, when, I'm, when I listen to you talk, I'm thinking, no, do you know what? Probably if I rewind a few years and I remember when Lindelof was brought in, I'm sure people can remember the um, highlights of him scoring free kicks from 30 yards. Do you know what I mean? When he played for Benfica and everyone was talking, he had the reputation of the Iceman. Do you know what I mean? This is the, when we signed Lindelof, the, those kind of things were being said. But do you think that you know he's looked at a player like Varane, the fact that you know he's got a, a good record of being fit for, for matches, that he thinks he can play them together and they'll just be that, that number two well, the two in the back line that are always going to be there. Mm. Well, first and foremost, I mean, he, he came he come with a reputation of being the ice man. I think, I think United, United only had one real ice man, and that was Ronnie Johnson. And yeah. Ronnie Johnson was, and Ronnie Johnson now, when he still plays in games, is still a very much the Ronnie Johnson he played for Manchester United. Still an incredible player, fitness yeah. wise, and his passion still there. So, but. I don't think you can put those two, at, you know, in, in that same boat because Ronnie Johnson is is miles and miles in front of Lindelof, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. In that sense, you know, um, Ronnie, Ronnie was physical. Ronnie could deal with anybody physically, um, but he hasn't got he hasn't got the same presence that Ronnie had at mm. all. Lindelof and maybe Varane might. Varane has played in big games. He plays for one of the, you know, he's. Place of France, one of the, the best international teams um, in the in the world, I should say. Um, he's played in Madrid and he's played in big games to Barcelona. He's, you know, and he's won a hell of a lot. But then to come and play in the Premier League, where next season it's going to be very unforgiving. Next season, I'm so looking forward to next season, where I think every team's going to want to prove a point of what they've endured. The fans are going to demand every player gives a hundred percent. First and foremost, I hope they demand that they, their own players stop screaming. They, they don't allow that crap to go on anymore. But I just think it's going to be a very, very competitive Premier League. Last season wasn't really that competitive, nor was the previous season when Liverpool won the league. It wasn't a competitive league at all. This season, I believe it's going to be competitive, going to be competitive and hopefully that he's going to be able to deal with that. And more importantly, that him... And if it, sorry, this is if he does arrive at Old Trafford, yeah. him and uh, Maguire are going to play lots of games together because if they can do that, and that then makes the job easier on the goalkeeper, who that may be for next season, and then as well for fullbacks as well, it, it makes it so much better. If you get 38 league games and 
your back four plays together in at least 32 of them together. And I'll tell you what, being Manchester United, you have got a great chance of delivering something. Yeah. Um, Mike Pieri says, there's a dearth of top quality centre-backs in the game at the moment. Cellini and Benucci were the pick at the Euros as a partnership at their age. And Maguire also stood out. Varane should be an upgrade. Yeah, like we said, you know, should be, should be. Um, should we'll be. See. Um, the the thing about um, the, the well, the ironic thing is that Ollie was sort of criticised a lot. One of the things that I like to think on our podcast is that we, we you know, we can add humble pie to the menu every single week. <laughs> we don't mind having a slice of it with the Lindelof thing. Like, yeah, I think neither of us are completely convinced by him, but from the selection that he had. He obviously um, saw the benefits that, and he did add some kind of consistency to the back line as well. And a lot of people were calling out for the likes of um, Mengi and, and Twanzebi to play. And maybe they've shown, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, the friendlies, that um, maybe he was right not to, to take that chance. But we'll get to that in a moment. Um, so it wouldn't be the first podcast of a new season without um, talking about the speculation around Paul Pogba. It's always there every single year. Um, we've talked about him at length. Um, the new rumour is that PSG have come in with the money for him. Um, he's decided that he's not going to sign a new contract. What, what do you make of all this one? I mean, it's such a complex scenario with Pogba. He, you know, he's played well at times. They've moved the team around, the formation around, and he's come in and played well in different things. But I think we've both been on the same page with thinking that is that run of form ever good enough to justify investing for the long term in him? Or, or do we see him better as an asset? Was that form that we saw last season taking him up to this 40 or 50 million price tag? Um, that That's the blessing of the form. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying with that? Because obviously that's something that we've talked about many times. Uh, so where, where are you on Pog this summer? Well, I've when you talk about humble pie, I've done it so many times in this play. I've gone one wave and I've gone the other. And I think I've got to the stage now. And I think someone <clears throat> mentioned this to me at the weekend and I just said, I've had enough of talking about him. And all I keep doing is repeating myself and other people are, oh, well, you said that that time, you said that that time. I don't think anybody's any different. Because when, when, he, when he does get his head down and play, you think, yep, he makes a difference and he's done some incredible things. But he's done some... Yeah, incredible on both sides of it, positives and negatives, because some of the penalties that he's given away, you know, mm. and the goals he's given away. I think now for United to step, to take a step forward, which everyone's looking for, I think we have, have to say is that he's got to move on. There's no point chasing it, keep overpaying him, shutting like, you know, kneeling down and praying for him to, him to stay. I think it really needs to move on for United to have something different in midfield. Mm. So I think you get the better of him on the left-hand side. But, but that bit, you, if you're going to play him on the left-hand side, it gives the team a better balance for him, to, for Oli to add what he wants inside of him, then you're taking away a position which which maybe an all-right Rashford can do a job or a Greenwood could do a job or even a Sancho. You lose somebody. And I just think, United to be that attacking side, which everyone wants to see him get back to. I think we've got to let him move on. If he's got a year to go, get something back. You're never going to get it all back. That's impossible. Get something back, accept it, and just and that's it. And let him move on and let him go and have a great time. 
if, PSG, if that's true about PSG, let them go and have a great time and let everyone who, the negative people, come out and say what they want to say, look what he's doing for PSG. Because we've seen already during this Euros that Paul Pogba, who plays for his country, is so well and so consistently. It's not the Paul Parker who plays for Paul Parker. Paul Pogba. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the Paul Pogba who plays for Manchester United you don't get two three games on the bounce what he gives for France looking at Manchester United it doesn't work that way mm. so you've got you know at the end of the day I think he seems to be happy to let his agent speak on his behalf he doesn't want to talk about himself so that, that says it for me really if he's not willing to speak his own mind and talk about how much he loves being at Manchester United let him move on let him go back to France go home and go and play for the team with the most money in France, go and play for them. I'm not going to say the biggest club in France, because as far as I'm concerned, the biggest club in France is Marseille. So um, if he want to go, if he really wants to test himself, go and play for Marseille and you know revitalise them and let them compete against PSG. So um, so it'd be you know a real football club up against a new football club and see how that works out. But go to PSG, go go where the money is, and then and there you are, and then you know, work, you know, work on from there. Yeah. It's a little bit like Di Maria, isn't it? Like Di Maria left United, went to Paris and, you know, I'm sure there were plenty of highlight clips where you'd say, oh, look, United have lost out there, but really we haven't. I mean, Di Maria has just gone and, you know, enjoyed the money for the rest of his career. I'm not criticising him for doing that, you know, and by the way, I'm not getting on his back for what he did at United either because, you know, (laughs) clearly compatible between him and Van Gaal but it is sort of similar to that in that the player doesn't want to be here there's an opportunity for him to go and do something in France which like we've said it's artificial in a certain way do you know playing with Paris winning trophies um, do what you need to do um, and we've as we've talked about many times over the last year or so the added bonus to losing the added bonus the bonus for Pogba going for United is that Raiola won't be connected with the club and we can do without that speculation. It always seemed to come around whenever Pogba was in or out of the team, when he was on his way out of the team or coming back into the team, there'd be some speculation about his future. Whenever there was a big game, there'd be speculation about Paul Pogba. Um, there's only been, I can think of a couple of players in United history that have been indulged to this extent. And the George Best, Eric Cantona and Cristiano Ronaldo are probably the three. And they at least had the hard work and the talent and the achievements to show for it. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, and I'm not putting this all on Pogba, you know, there's the management again, uh, Mourinho. Obviously, that was a, a weird signing for a player, uh, for a manager like Mourinho. And the systems have never been right. I'll acknowledge that as much as I, I think that Fernandez coming in has probably shown that up a little bit because. Fernandez elevated a team and you would think that a player of Pogba's quality should do that as well. But, you know, that is what it is. I think it's probably, like you've said, one of those that's a move that's right for all parties. And do you know what I think the really interesting thing, Paul, um, is that you don't necessarily lose Pogba and think we need a Paul Pogba replacement. You know, I'm not saying that we don't need a new midfielder, but you're not... I might even get pelters for this, but we don't necessarily need a replacement for Paul Pogba. We get in an old in midfielder. Um, then let's say that, for example, the Pogba transfer allows us to get the Varane transfer over the line, That you know, bring the missing millions in there and then go and get a player like Bissouma or, or Kamavinga from, from France, um, the, the player that Solskjaer seems to want. 
on top of Varane and Sancho, I'd say that that's a really good summer, even taking into account that we lost Pogba. If, if he can enable us, uh, so let's say, for example, he wants Trippier as well. You know what I mean? Trippier seems to be a player that um, Solskjaer wants to bring that quality to the right-hand side. And we saw last summer they had the um, boost on Luke Shaw to bring in a player. So and what I'm trying to say is if the Pogba transfer facilitates three or four smaller moves, then it'd be very good business for United, won't it? It, it will be. And, um, the only, um, when you look at what Manchester United are all about at this moment in time, the only loss that Pogba would be would be to the loss to the marketing department. You know, yeah. that's all. The, that, that's the biggest loss he'll be. If you want headlines and that, and selling shirts and everything that goes with him, and you push him out there in front of perspective and people who want to, you want to become partners of the football club, then Paul Pogba is going to be a miss on that side. But to be perfectly honest. It's about somebody. Is he going to somebody who who's going to be missed on the football pitch? And you think so, is he going to be a, everything that he's done over the years? He's been there. Is he going to be a big miss over a season on the football pitch? And that's the most important thing for me is what he does on the pitch because that's the bit that sells you off the pitch. And he's not he's not doing that. And you mentioned George Best. You mentioned Eric. And you mentioned Cristiano. Those players come in <laughs> virtually. You know for nothing. Eric coming from a million pounds, Chris, Cristiano, I couldn't tell you the figure, but it was peanuts. George come through, through the club yeah. and all of a sudden they're going to spend millions and millions on somebody and you think to yourself and he's getting all these headlines and yet he hasn't achieved anything anywhere near what those players done. So yeah. you have to sometimes just go, nah. It hasn't, it's, it's been great having you come back for a second spell. It hasn't worked, worked out in that way got to move on the team you know the team has to come first and you want the quality on the park not in, not in the club shop selling jerseys mm. yeah and and like i said as well like you know and you talked about him playing on the left and everything like that and, and that we've already got players who can do that probably more effective for, for the Oli style because he wants rapid movement down the sides um that we, there's just a different shape to the team now when you move on um, and Pogba wouldn't fit. They, there's no point in trying to make him fit, let him go with the best wishes and um, don't. you don't necessarily have to replace him. You just get players of different qualities in the middle, the players that Pogba doesn't have but we need and then you move on and see see how yeah. that helps the, the players that we've got. Um, so yeah, well obviously transfers are going to be something that we come back to a lot over the next few weeks. Um, those are the changes. Let's talk about the stability. Like Oli, um, Michael asked earlier, um, Oli's new contract was announced on Saturday morning. A uh, three-year contract with the option for an extra year. He's earned it, hasn't he, Paul, really? I, mean, I can't think there's any question about it. Mean, people talk about the Europa League final, and yes, we talked about this on the last podcast, and we said you could question what he did in the final, but at the end of the day, you don't judge what he's done over three years over a, a final or even the fact that we lost on penalty kicks. Because if we lost on, if we won on penalty kicks, everyone would now be saying, no, we won the Europa League last season. I don't think you define him on that as much as you can criticise him for, for what happened in there. You look at the last three years, two and a half years, he's definitely been at United longer than any manager post, Fergie. And I think we can see the health of the club is much better than it's been. Um, at any point since then? Well, you might disagree, but um, what do you think? I just thought, yeah, it, it gives it just gives a little bit of security 
to him, of course, um, I think the club as well. I think it holds everything together because if his contract was allowed just to run down or United weren't to offer him another contract, then it's just another point of putting Manchester United in the news and not giving him a contract. It starts speculation. It allows people just to jump on the bandwagon and talk about the negatives. Sorry, what they deem as positives about him not getting a new contract. Yes, there's people out there who are, again, being negative because he's been given one. They want to talk about who United should have as manager. And what you should have isn't always what you can have or maybe what is what is needed at this moment in time at Manchester United. And there's no guarantees out there if you're looking for guarantees. Manchester United and a, and a lot of people who, I don't know if they're supporters or not, believe that all of a sudden, because Mourinho was coming to Manchester United, it was just going to happen. They just thought, oh, you just turn up, it's going to happen. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter what club you are. He had that, that spell at Chelsea, and that was an incredible spell at Chelsea, what he'd done. And everyone knows what happened the second time around. Everyone knows what happened at Old Trafford when he turned up there. And, you know, and there was a rap song, wasn't there? Don't believe the hype. And, and that's what it was in the end. It was it was a hype. He sold himself that way. He kept telling people what he'd won before. Sir Alex Ferguson doesn't tell anybody what he's won before because everyone knows what he's won. They're the ones who want to talk about it. He doesn't talk about it. Mourinho's complete opposite. Um, he just left. He left a terrible taste. He left a terrible smell around that football club, which had to be dealt with. Ollie's come in sprayed it all down, got it all sorted, got people back on track, started communicating with people off the pitch, which he never done, because he felt that wasn't his job, when it was, when it is your job at Manchester United, because as big as Manchester United are, they're still a community, and I think that Ollie's got that bit right, there's still things to do on the pitch, of course, because you're Manchester United and you're expected to be challenging for every single thing that's made available. And that's what he knows he has to do. But he hasn't had the best squad. He's got an opportunity this side, this time to go and add to what he's got already. Maybe he's still got to let quite a few go. There's still a lot of them sitting there who you really don't want around anymore. There's too much money being wasted over mm. the years, giving people new contracts. When you think yourself, why are you doing that for? People say, oh, let's just sell them on and get more money. People have got to still want them to sell them on. And there's a yeah. lot of players there, and I won't name them or anything because everyone else can name them. Get in their mind, they'll get somebody and think you can move on. First and foremost, there's too many centre-halves at Old Trafford. You don't need them all. There's not enough of them. There's too many of them for all the teams, all the teams, and there'll still be some sitting around if, uh, if all the teams are playing on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. So they have to move people on. Yeah. Dead Wood, they were called in my day. DWs, that's what yeah. they were called. So yeah. you need to move them on just to change change it a little bit with new faces and add a little bit of life that when the, when new players come in, they look around them and they'll say, Corey, they look at them and they go, he's fresh, he's fresh, wow, wow. But then when you see the likes of somebody other sitting down below them, they're kind of going, ooh, and you don't really want to go near them because you know they're not going to be the right people to be around. They, um, the clubs have also given a contract. I, I'm sure that one matter doesn't really uh, feature in what you just said about the dead wood, because obviously the contract that was given to him was you're going to play as marginally as you did last year. There's no guarantee you're going to play more football. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit more, but um, the obvious migration into ambassadorial or coaching role at the end of that 
And then, you know, they brought back Tom Heaton to sort of be that backup goalkeeper. And Paul McShane's just signed this contract to be the sort of, he's like a youth coach, but he's going to play in the under-23s to sort of put that on-field on coaching to experience. So a bit of innovation there. What I'm trying to say is there's obvious benefits to the continuity that Ollie sees. In, in, oh, like those players are obviously known to Ollie from when he was there before as a player, you know, when he was working with the reserves and getting his badges when he was coming back through uh, from his last injury. Um, so as well, I, I completely agree with you in, in terms of the Deadwood and the squad has got a lot of that. Um, I do also like that he's trying to sort of, not just because they were connected to the club once, but partly because of that, you know, the fact that he's, he's going back to that kind of thing and, and and trying to see that kind of kind of continuity and the fact that like these guys are nice guys, you know what I mean? Tom Tom Eaton by all accounts is a lovely guy. Paul McShane's a lovely guy. One matter, obviously, everybody talks about him as the nicest man in football. Next to you, of course, Paul, but you know, one a, cl- a close second. Um, so some some good continuity there. But those are the kind of things. Obviously, we always say probably better to discuss with hindsight at a later point. Um, but talking about you know people overreacting as they they were doing to these kind of you know like why are you bringing Tommy and back why are we bringing Paul McShane back why don't we concentrate on giving Paul Pogba a new contract and all that sort of stuff and why are you giving Ollie a new contract similar overreactions to what happened at, on Saturday at QPR um, told to that I mean a funny game really because I mean United had a few chances um, a crazy spell of defending we talked earlier about that clamour to have Mengi and, and Twanzabian and they had a bit of a, a bizarre spell for sort of 10-15 minutes um, and people really overreacting to it oh you've given him a new contract and then we've gone and lost 4-2 at QPR um, you were there what, what did you make of it? Um, it was just it was a strange one because I just Turn. I just went along there, just just to watch a game. I, and I got told I, I rang up QPR regarding um, somebody I know at QPR regarding something else to ask a favour for something else. And and the turn around and said to me, I suppose you're ringing about the game. And my thing was, what game? <laughs> well, you know, United. I, I didn't know. I didn't didn't have a clue. It must have been said before. And I can, and the way this, I think life has gone. I completely forgot, you know, I forgot that we was in July and, it, and there's a pre-season, you know, remember last year, July, football season, football season restarted. Yeah. So, um, so it was a strange one, but I was, to be honest, when people talked to me, I was just, people come up after the game when I was, you know, walking back to the station and people, there was a lot of United fans there, a lot of United fans and everybody, I looked at that and just said, how, talked about how well QPR played. People go, oh, but United only had this, only had that. But it wasn't about it's the way that QPR played, how they their players stood up to those a lot of those under twenty three players as such, or you know mm-hmm. who were there, and they were better. They were better than them on that occasion. So that that be a concern for Ollie that he never got enough for those kind of players. They were outplayed. They looked they were better from the back playing out from the back. Their midfield players had more life in them. When you think about United, a Pereira in midfield, who looked like a Pereira who you sent out on loan and you wish hadn't come back off loan. Um, he just wasn't there. Um, Lingard scored and Lingard scored. 
and that was it. There, there wasn't enough there. So QPR won the game. They deserved to win it. Could have been more. Um, but they they were better. When you look at United, there wasn't really a great show. And you, I, when they scored that first goal, I thought, here we go. It's going to be two, threes, fours. But QPR come back and were better. Once they equalised, they were they were a better team by a country mile in that first half. And then there was a lot of substitutions in the early to the middle of the second half. And QPR was still better. Then at the end, QPR made a lot of changes. And that's when United come back into it. And then it could have been 4-4. Yeah. Could have been 4-4 in the end. And so that, you know, and that was my outlook on the game, really. But it was just an enjoyable game. I was just pleased at Q, the way QPR looked. QPR looking like a side that could come up this season. You know, and nothing would please me more for them to be back in the Premier League and, and, the, and within the manner they're doing it because... They're not spending a lot of money. Mark Warburton is just going out and bringing in some good players. There's so many good players there. One, you know, a couple of subs who come on and didn't know their name because even the team, they weren't even on the team sheet. So God knows what he's gone out and done. But United fans shouldn't really be... You should be United fans should be more concerned. The biggest concern is there's players there who have, who have had, a, had a look in with the first team, but they weren't doing themselves justice. Um, there's players who, who aren't playing because they're because of the Euros, so they should be taking this moment to to be out, you know, work, you know, to try and prove points, and and they haven't done that. They just haven't. I thought Mason Greenwood, while he was on that pitch, was excellent. He played mm. he played in a centre forward position. Even the QPR fans fans around me were just talking about him. They saw somebody, the biggest name they had there on the park when he started. The lesson, um, the, the one of the matter was the, obviously a big name, but he was on the side. But Mason Greenwood lived up to everything people expect him to see. His movement in that central role, which I wonder if Ollie's looking at maybe look at him in there. Mm. And then that means that he can service Rashford and Sancho in wide positions and maybe Mason swapping with Cavani. That could be something. But he was absolutely excellent. If he hadn't been any different and going a little bit through the motions, I would have thought, well, he's looking around him and he hasn't seen any of the people he normally plays with. But his attitude was really good in that first half. Yeah, a bit difficult for... Um, well, I mean, first of all, yeah, you're right that you want to be seeing more from some players. You want to be seeing that kind of reaction. Say, I want to beat United, even in friendly games. But the difficulty is, is that it's difficult to get that kind of motivation from players when most of them at least six or seven of them are going on loan. Do you know what I mean? It's such a weird dynamic for United at the moment that those players are probably just waiting for confirmation of that. Do you know what I mean? Rather than we're going to be around the first team squad, we're just waiting for all the internationals to come back. Yeah, but it was no, but yeah, there was playing in front of what eleven thousand people, eleven twelve thousand people, and after what they've been through, every player, everyone's been the same. That should yeah. be a lift already because you got you know. It's the first time I've been to a game, an away game, with United playing, and United hadn't sold out. Mm. You know, they hadn't sold out. I was just, I was surprised there was letting the surprised that away fans were being let in. I didn't even know there was allowing that. And then when I looked at the looked at the away end, which is the um, school end, they call it. Um, it was, you know, it was what three quarters, and I've been to QPR when United have been there, 
and and you know what that's like. It's not the biggest away end, but you know that once you get all the United fans in there, the noise that comes from there is incredible. But it was a really good atmosphere. So I expected players just to be on the high because they're playing in front of fans. And yes, they might be going somewhere else, but they've got to remember the people who were sitting up watching that game. Because, mm. you know, there was a lot of people there. I saw a lot of faces there at that game at Loftus Road watching watching that game. So those players, some of them might have just killed something that could have been could have been better for them just by that kind of performance they, that they put out. Yeah. It's one of those sayings, isn't it? You're not going to kill a career by not doing well in pre-season, but by, if you do well in pre-season, then it could have a big impact on on um, your chances of getting into the team. And, you know, like there's still some of those decisions to send those players out aren't permanent. Uh, they're not rubber stamped, so a player could work the way into plans. But, you know, that's the nature of pre-season. Um, no, there's going to be no overreaction to the defeat on this uh, podcast, at least. Um, for uh, future friendlies, we've got Brentford on Wednesday, I think, and then Saturday we're at Preston. Um, but we'll be back next week to talk about those games um, and see if there's any more transfers coming in. Um, but yeah, that's it for this week, guys. Hope you enjoyed the first sort of foray into this YouTube element of um, doing podcasts. It's new for us. We don't really know what we're doing. Take it, winging it. Well, I don't know what I'm doing. Paul's an old pro at so talking on camera. I, I'm sort of... Less of the old. Yeah. A seasoned professional, experienced veteran. <laughs> experienced, um, legendary um, former United player. There we go. I've got myself out <laughs> Um, like and subscribe to the channel. Check out talkofthedevils.co.uk for more content. We'll be back next week, and Phil will be Phil Marsh will be back on on Friday's show. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for watching. Even there we go. Still learning. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.